What's good, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Windy City Hoops podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rouse, coming to you from my hometown of Chicago, Illinois, getting ready to bring you a dual post-game report on last night's game between first the Chicago Bulls and the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then on my observations of what I saw from Zion Watch as the as Zion Williamson made his NBA regular season debut last night in the New Orleans Pelicans game against the San Antonio Spurs. This is a very late post-game report. I mean, I was planning on uh, dropping it a little earlier in the day as it's now 2.18 uh, Central Time here in Chicago. I was planning on dropping it earlier, but one funny thing happened after I finished watching the Bulls-Timberwolves game. I sort of fell asleep. So I had to watch the um, Pelicans game when I woke today, and then you know I, I made some other runs. But now I'm going to sit down and uh, record this post-game report. I'm actually going to start with the uh, Bulls and Timberwolves first. But before we get into that, uh, remember you can follow me on Twitter at KingRouse21, K-I-N-G-R-O-U-S-E 21. And also you can get the Windy City Hoops podcast Wherever podcasts are heard on multiple platforms, such as Apple Music or excuse me, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Podcasts and things of that sort. But starting it off, we're going to start with the home team. Typically on the podcast, I would finish with the Bulls, but I actually were, I actually just want to finish with Zion, the uh, Pelican Spurs talk, because that's the one I watched second. So I'm pretty much doing this in order of how I watched them. And last night, Chicago Bulls with a, another home win as they defeated the Minnesota Timberwolves 117-110, a game that really probably shouldn't have been as close as it was on the scoreboard considering the Bulls had a 19-point lead in the first half. Andrew Wiggins was giving the Timberwolves close to nothing in that first half. I think he had, what, three points on, like, one of four shooting or something like that in the first half. Just a rough first half from Andrew Wiggins for uh, Minnesota. But the Bulls ended up, Having some of their old bad habits sneak into play, Minnesota got back into the game. But when it was all said and done, six Bulls in double figures. And the Bulls, probably the key, was the second unit. The Bulls bench stepped up big time as they outscored Minnesota's bench 40-17, to led by a 15-point performance from Luke Cornett, a guy who a lot of fans just are not high on. But, I, but when the Bulls picked him up and I saw him in preseason, I thought Luke Cornett was a good fit for the Bulls coming off the bench. I thought he was a, he was a player that they could put behind Lowry Markin and sort of use him as like an extension of Lowry when uh, Markin is on the bench. But right now Luke is obviously playing at the uh, five considering all the injuries to Wendell Carter Jr. and the injury to uh, Daniel Gafford. Really, not, really didn't fare that well on the defensive end, but Luke gave him 15 points from the floor from the uh, – 15 points in the game, 5 of 10 from the floor, only made one three, got four free throws, really was effective in the uh, pick and roll game, really really can't even say pick and roll, it was more pick and popping in, he had one play where he did a show and go, like he showed screen but he never said it, and just rolled to the rim and got an easy layup, very effective offensively, also a player that I know I've personally been critical of in his tenure in Chicago, Cristiano Felicio had what I thought was the best game I've ever seen out of Cristiano Felicio in a Bulls uniform. And now I'm sure he's had games with better stats that I may may have not seen in the past. But Felicio had a 12.10 rebound performance. He was 5 of 6 from the field. 
and really was getting after, really was getting active for the Bulls. Just going going to the rim, making sure he was cleaning up rebounds. Had a number of clean up plays where he would get the Bulls in extra possession, or sometimes he just get the rebound and score himself. I thought he was a more effective defender for the Bulls against Carl Anthony Towns, which is what which they were definitely going to need. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns still got his at the end of the day. Uh, the big man from Minnesota, my uh my birthday twin, Carl Anthony Towns had 40 points, six rebounds, 16 to 24 from the field. But a lot, a good portion of that was on Luke Cornett. I mean, in the first quarter, uh, Carl Anthony Towns had 12 points. He had 12 of Minnesota's first 14 points. He had 22 at halftime. But I thought Felicio and Thaddeus Young, Thaddeus Young also probably defended uh, Carl Anthony Towns better than um, Luke Cornett. I don't know if he defended him better than Felicio did. I, I, if I had to go post up, post up, yes, but I think maybe – Actually, you know what? Yeah, I, I think I will go with that. I think Thaddeus Young did defend Carl Anthony Towns a little bit better because I can't think of a time where Carl Anthony Towns really just went at Thaddeus Young and scored. He did. He had a few with Felicio. He definitely had them with Cornette, a majority of his points. If I if I were to put my money on it, I'd be willing to bet a majority of the points that Carl Anthony Towns scored was with uh, Luke Cornette guarding him in the game. Meanwhile, Thaddeus Young did that same pull-the-chair move he did against Giannis Antetokounmpo on Monday. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns was backing him down. And he sort of just stepped out the way, stepped through, and ripped the ball away from Thaddeus Young. And that, that underscores what I was saying yesterday on the uh, full episode of the Windy City Hoops podcast when I was thinking that the Bulls need to keep Thaddeus Young, considering how shorthanded they are when you're talking about um, when you're talking about Biggs being out with Carter and Gafford. He's a, he's a better low-post defender than Luke Cornett. Uh, Felicio may be a little bit more of more physical in terms of being able to to take contact from Carl Anthony Towns and, of course, Felicio solid in setting screens on offense. But I really just think that is his ability to defend three positions where you can put him at the three, you can put him at the four or the five. Is just I think that's just invaluable when you're talking about a team that's – like when you're talking about a team that is shorthanded and they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do at the three situation are the Bulls. But they got a good performance from the three out of Chandler Hutchison. Had nine points himself off the bench. Uh, Kobe White also added 12 for the Bulls off the bench. Didn't really have his best shooting game. He shot five of 12, one of four from three. I was watching the game, but I also felt like, I really felt like Kobe White was trying to prove something in that game to Minnesota at times. There was a, there was a drive he had against Jared Culver. And I, I saw that play. It was just, he, he knew he was taking that drive. It just looked like, you know what, they picked you over me. I'm taking you to the basket. They should have took me. So it, it, it was points in the game where it felt like Kobe was trying to show, like, hey, this is what you guys should have picked. This is who you should have picked at six. But he just, he went out there. He had, a, he had a solid game for the Bulls, 12 points. Not Once again, 12 points on 12 shots, not anything to write home about. Really really not a good performance in terms of shooting, but a solid game we considered, when all things considered, 12 points, three rebounds, and two assists. The Bulls' second unit. Really carrying the Bulls there, and the real, the unsung, the real unsung heroes would be the two guys that I thought were the key to the game for the Bulls: Cornette and Felicio. Who Felicio a, a better job than Cornette guarding Carl Anthony Towns while on offense. Cornette again, his ability to shoot from the outside really pulled Carl Anthony Towns away from the from the uh, rim at sometimes, and uh, Carl Anthony Towns really couldn't get out there a lot of times, so Cornette would get wide open looks. Uh, a, definitely a good game for both players off coming off the bench. A combined uh, 27 between those two. 
if I had one more note about the Bulls bench, it's more of a critique of uh, Felicio on defense. I was watching Felicio when he was guarding Carl uh, Anthony Towns on those high pick and rolls. Minnesota would run those high pick and rolls. And there was a number of times where he got caught watching. There was one play he got caught watching uh, Towns, and then Napier, uh, Shabazz Napier got a birthday gift layup, just went right past him because Felicio stepped up to defend Towns and f completely forgot to watch the ball. He couldn't see the ball. Then later in the game, he got caught watching the ball, and then Carl Anthony Towns slipped, got a wide open three at the top of the key. So, <laughs> so it's a matter of Felicio watching the ball, but I still thought that was the best game I've actually seen out of Cristiano Felicio at the NBA level. He's had some pretty good NBA G League games this season with the Windy City Bulls on the road, but I thought that was his best game at the NBA level playing for uh, Chicago. Uh, the other Minnesota in the game had a huge third quarter. Came back, came back in the game. It was a twenty. They had a twenty-seven, twenty-two third quarter advantage over the Bulls. But really, I thought what sparked that was Chris Dunn. He got called for a technical foul near the end of the first half. Like uh, he went to the basket, and Shabazz Napier was trying to rip the ball away from. Him. He pulled his arm, and Napier was talking to the officials. He, it was Chris Dunn driving baseline. Napier grabbed his arm. Napier was talking to the officials trying to make sure it was called on the floor is what it looked like to me. And then Chris Dunn walked up and just pushed him. Just out of nowhere, ended up just pushing uh, Shabazz Napier. He ended up getting a technical foul. And after that technical foul, Minnesota went on a 29-14 run where they ended up taking a 69-68 lead in the third quarter uh, after Andrew Wiggins hit a three. And I, and I was thinking about the Bulls with these technical fouls that's twice that that's happened, at least twice that's happened this month because I remember the game against Detroit where Daniel Gafford scored on Andre Drummond and he was yelling in Drummond's direction and Drummond got mad and he threw the ball at him. That's twice now where like a technical foul, that was, that was a double technical in that game against Drummond and Gafford. But the Pistons ended up going on a run in that ball game, making it close. The Bulls were up and Detroit battled back, made it a game again in the third quarter. Bulls ended up winning that game as well. But that's just something I've noticed with those technical. When the Bulls are involved in technical fouls, it seems like the opposing team uses that for a major run. Bulls, again, able to withstand the storm. But in that third quarter, I mentioned how Andrew Wiggins was struggling in the first half. Wiggins ended up finishing with 25 points, 9 assists, and 5 rebounds in the game. A lot of that for Wiggins came in the third. He had 12 third quarter points, including the three that he made that gave Minnesota the 69-68 uh, lead. And that was key for the Timberwolves because Carl Anthony Towns, who had 22 at halftime, he was on the bench with 8.55 to go in the third. So Minnesota in the third did not have their best player for the remainder of the quarter because he had four fouls. And it was the combo of Andrew Wiggins and um, Shabazz Napier who helped Minnesota get back into it. They ended up taking the lead, as I mentioned. But at the end of the day, the Bulls found a way to hold off Minnesota and a good reason for that, Minnesota missed a lot of open shots and could not make free throws for some reason in that game last night. 13 of 24 at the line, 15 of 44 from three-point land. That's almost similar to the numbers that the Bulls had in their game on uh, Martin Luther King Day on Monday night when they took on the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bulls in that game against Milwaukee set like a team record for three-pointers attempted. Like they tied, excuse me, they tied a team record for three-pointers attempted, they had 48 threes. They shot 14 of 48. Meanwhile, uh, Minnesota 15 of 44, so numbers kind of, kind of similar there. But it, but the Bulls got the win, and a big reason why the Bulls got the win, uh, 
Yes, Zach Levine, he had 25 points for the Bulls. I think he, I think he should be an all-star. I said that on the uh, full episode yesterday. But Lowry Marketing, his, his best game, Lowry Marketing's best game for the Bulls since the game against Dallas. I know usually I say in a month, but no, he had a good game against Dallas earlier this month where he had uh, 26 points. Lowry, 21.6 rebounds last night against uh, Minnesota, 6 of 14 from the field. Very aggressive. Very aggressive in that game was Lowry. I was I was sitting here counting when I was watching him. You got to remember, I came home from the DePaul game. I watched this at about 2, 3 in the morning. And, you know, near, I'm not going to lie, midway through the third, I was fighting to sort of fighting to stay awake because it was that was a very boring second quarter. It was a lot of up and down, a lot of fouls going on in the second quarter. But uh, Lowry Markinen, I counted at least seven drives to the basket, at least seven. I, I there might There might be more, but he was trying to get that patented – you know, drive from the elbow and then that drive from the top of the key and then he usually spins at the elbow and then he gets to the rim because he gets in between the rim. He gets to the rim, but he's in between like the dotted line or the free throw line and the no charge zone. So there he can either try to lay it up over you or he can step back and shoot it if he needs to. He was trying to get that going and I, I was happy to see that. He had some plays early in the game. He was getting to the rim. He was, he was missing them, but the idea was right. He was getting to the basket. And he, he was very effective for the Bulls in the game. He shot 4 of 10 from three. Uh, four of his six field goals, obviously, were from three-point land. But the the fact that he was getting to the rim was definitely something that if you're a Bulls fan, it, it gives you a reason to smile. It's like, okay, that's what you want to see out of Lowry marketing moving forward, especially as the Bulls start to make this run towards the All-Star break and try to figure out if they can even hang around in the Eastern Conference, hang around for that eighth seed. I mean, right now they're 10th. But they're still battling. They get the win last night to go to 17-29 and 29 on the season, beating the Minnesota Timberwolves. Also, I noticed uh, not only was it Lowry's aggressiveness, but it was also the – he was kind of schemed, schemed into some success in that game last night, which was something I mentioned on the full, the full episode yesterday when I was talking about getting Lowry going. It's got to be a combo effort of him and Jim Boylan. It's got to be him being aggressive, which he was, and Jim Boylan fi- finding ways to run the offense through him and early in the fourth quarter, I saw one of the lineups I talked about in the game against Milwaukee on Monday. The lineup of marketing out there with Ryan Archidiakono, Kobe White, and it was Cornette on Monday. Or, was it, or it might have been Thaddeus Young. It was, it was Thaddeus Young or Cornette on Monday. It was Felicio in the game last night with Lowry Marketing, Archidiakono, Kobe White, and Chandler Hutchinson. And those are the type of lineups where, where Jim Boyle can really develop some of the players on this team. Like, you've got three guys that can be ball dominant at if you if you allow him to do so. And Chandler Hutchinson who had a he had a blazing slam dunk in the third quarter because the Bulls have gone about six six or seven minutes without a field goal to start the third quarter. And then Hutchinson if I'm not mistaken, that was their first field goal of the third quarter. He got a run out dunk. And like he in the half court, he's a solid shooter and then at Boise State, which I've mentioned a number of times, he's proven that he can be the number one option. So if you go with Kobe White, Hutchinson, and Art and Lowry Markin, you have three guys that can be ball dominant, and then you pretty much you're giving yourself multiple options. Who do I want to run this offense through? They come, and the answer is sometimes simple. Who's got the high hand between Kobe, Chandler, and Lowry? If nobody has the high hand, and it come, then it, to me it seems simple. Run it through Lowry. You got to get your your second best player going, and that's the good way to do it. Put them out there with other guys that can draw deep that that the defense has to respect, that can draw defensive attention, it could open the floor up for him a little bit. And I thought the Bulls did some of that last night with Lowry. Maybe not so much with that unit 
because I I remember I don't really remember Lowry getting too many looks with that unit. But the fact that Jim Boylan is experimenting with that unit, as far as I'm concerned, is a step in the right direction and putting more guys on the floor together that can uh, get their own shot and draw defensive attention. Once again, Bulls got the win, 117-110. Uh, one last note I had on the game last night. Um, Bulls got Once again, Bulls won, but they had, they had six players at double figures, Zach Levine, Lowry Marketing. Uh, Zach had 25, Lowry 21. Cornette had 15, uh, Chris Dunn had 14, Felicio and Kobe White both had 12. But uh, Jim Boylan had a very questionable time out last night. Carl uh, Anthony Towns got a dunk at the end of the game with five 5.4 seconds left. That was his 40th point. Bulls sort of just gave, just gave it to him. He, he got a quick basket. And then for some reason, Jim Boylan called a timeout just to, inbound, just to advance the ball into the front court. Bulls threw it in to Zach Levine just to run the clock out. And I'm just... I'm just conf I'm just confused. Like, wh what was the point? I don't I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand the point of the calling the time out there. Like, the game was over. Just throw it in. Minnesota wasn't going to foul because when the Bulls did it in the front court, they didn't foul. Uh, Jim Boylan and Ryan Saunders did walk up to each other. It was cordial, so you know they did the post game handshake. And Jim told Ryan whatever he told him in his ear. I didn't see. I don't know if there. Was, I didn't see a post game press conference. So. I don't know what he told him. I don't know if that may have been addressed after the game, but I just thought that was strange. Why? Why was he calling the timeout just to just to throw the ball in and run the clock out? But at the end of the day, Bulls did get it. One seventeen, one ten. They go to seventeen and twenty nine on the season. Their next two games, I will not be able to cover here with post game reports because Friday I'll be working University of Chicago, and Saturday I'll be doing the Windy City Bulls game against the. Grand Rapids Drive, which you can listen to on SportstownChicago.com with myself, myself, Jonathan Hood, and Ryan Fahey on the call. And then also Sunday, I'll be at University of Chicago as well. So re won't really have a lot of time to record record any um, post-game reports over the weekend. The Bulls are playing Sacramento on Friday. The Bulls did beat the Kings earlier this year back in December at uh, Sacramento. And that was a game where the Kings actually rallied back. But once again, Bulls able to hold them off. And then the Bulls take on the Cleveland Cavaliers for the second time in a week. Because remember, they played the Cavaliers last Saturday. And they had that thrilling comeback from 19 points, which happened to the Bulls last night. We're down 19. We're up 19 and let Minnesota get back into it. But they'll go now they'll be playing them at, I almost said Quicken Loans Arena. It's Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse now, if I'm not mistaken. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. In Cleveland, so the Bulls have the Kings and Cavaliers. My next post plan on post game report will probably my next post game report likely will be Monday, when the Bulls take on the uh, San Antonio Spurs from the United Center. All right, I mentioned this was a dual post game a dual post game report, and I'm covering the NBA debut of Zion Williamson, the number one pick out of Duke of the New Orleans Pelicans. Has been out of action the entire regular season because he had knee surgery. He did play in the preseason for New Orleans, but today he, but excuse me, yesterday he finally made. It feels like today because I literally just watched the game a couple hours ago. But uh, Wednesday he, yesterday he made his debut for the New Orleans Pelicans, and the crowd was just looking for him to give them some excitement. But first things first, got to talk about the Spurs. They did win the game. 121-117, LaMarcus Aldridge had 32 points, 
14 rebounds, including uh, the final six points for San Antonio in the last three minutes to ice the win against the Pelicans. And LaMarcus Aldridge really was just going right at Derek Favors most of the game. He had 26 and 12, 26 points, 12 rebounds through three quarters did LaMarcus Aldridge. DeMar DeRozan had a huge second half, 16 second half points for him to finish with 20 points and five rebounds. So the Spurs got the win, but in all honesty, they were their win was overshadowed by the debut of Zion Williamson, as expected. I mean, everyone everyone knew all the hype was around seeing Zion Williamson on the court, but you got to give credit to the Spurs. They did end up getting the win. Uh, Zion Williamson finished with 22 points, seven rebounds, three assists, eight of 11 from the field, a perfect four for four from three-point land, so you don't have to worry about the Ben Simmons issue with him. And he shot two of four from the free throw line. He played he only played 18 minutes, eight in the first half, 10 in the second half. But Zion really put on a show in that fourth quarter for the Pelicans. He has 17 straight points. But before we get into what he did in that, what he did in the fourth quarter, I'm just going to give some of my uh, observations and some of the things I saw. Uh, one of the things I noticed, of course, going in was the way he was running, you know, because that's one of the issues about his weight. ESPN had the graphic where they was like they were saying he had he weighs 285 pounds. He's the third heaviest player in the NBA. But I noticed some of his running. He did look like he was laboring up and down the court. He was running with a bit of a limp, something that you sort of would expect out of a guy that had knee surgery and also was back on the court for the first time since October. So that's what about four months. And then you see him, and then there was times I see him running like sort of running like on his tippy toes, trying to make himself lighter. Like, especially when they first took him out of the game because he had, they were playing him in spots. He had, like, a three-minute and 51-second first run in the first quarter. Yeah, I was actually tracking that. I was looking at the clock, and then sometimes ESPN would just put him up on the screen, so I would take the graphic and just put it in my notes as well. But when he first came out, you could see him running off the court. He looked like he was trying to run on his tippy toes. You know how, like, how you try to run to make yourself lighter? It appeared that he was doing that, trying to uh, lighten the load of his like his entire weight coming down on his joints that's something that New Orleans is really going to have to watch throughout the season and I and I understand why Alvin Gentry only played him 18 minutes last night for reasons just like that trying to make sure he gets his gets his body in the right shape make sure he's he's not putting so much self wear and tear on his legs and trying to pretty much just limit just limit the load that he had that he's putting on himself on the floor uh he did have some turnovers Zion turned the ball over five times in the game last night but to me, the way I was looking at it, it wasn't it wasn't careless turnovers. It was sometimes it was a miscommunication. I know the first turnover he had, he got the ball in the in the uh, in the high post, and he was trying to pass to a cutter going back door, and he sort of just mistimed it. That those type of plays happen. That happens sometimes. You're looking for a teammate, ball. You know you you're just a little late on the time, and you see him cutting, but you just mistimed it, and the ball went out of bounds. A few of the other turnovers were some things that I think he's going to have to get used to, which was the college to NBA adjustment you got to remember in college Zion like we we talk about how much he's a freak of nature in the in in college he is the out he's an outstanding player because there's not many guys at the college level that are going to be able to at least match his height or weight but in the NBA you're playing up against a lot bigger guys so there were times he was trying to dribble pretty much just trying to use his his sheer size just to, to drive and get to the basket and then he would end up driving into traffic, and it was actually twice in the third quarter he tried to drive, and he ended up losing the ball right into um, and right into a defender's hands, and San Antonio would go the other way with the ball. 
But he did find his rhythm. Uh, Zion's first first basket of his NBA career, he got an offensive rebound in the fir- in the uh, first half. I think it was the second quarter. Yeah, he got a second. He got a rebound in the second quarter, and he went right back up and laid the ball in. At halftime, he had only had two points. In the third quarter, he did have a quick burst driving baseline against Lamarcus Aldridge, where you where he sort of displayed he displayed that athleticism that has been so highly touted about Zion Williamson. He went baseline. He got he didn't finish. He got fouled. Ended up hit. Ended up splitting the free throws. But it was there. That's exactly what fans are looking to see out of Zion Williamson. That's that's exactly why he ended up doing what he doing what he did later, where he would have the turnovers. He got past Lamarcus Aldridge. He maybe got that feeling. Hmm, maybe this is easy. And then he tried to do it to everybody. And then he, sometimes he run into a trap and he would lose the ball. But the big standout for Zion finding his rhythm was his ability to score, which is what he did in that fourth quarter. Had also had a good game rebounder. Really did a great job crashing the glass. Uh, his court vision was on display. He had, like I said, the one play he was looking to pass to a teammate back door, but he threw it out of bounds. But his first notable stat of his NBA career, he caught the ball in the post, saw Brandon Ingram cut into the basket, hit him for a nice layup. Ingram scored off of that. And then he had a play in the second half where he got a rebound over Jakob Pertl, and then he pushed the floor and hit Etwan Moore for an easy layup. Zion has the he has the court vision. He has impressive court vision for a player that's likely going to play the four, maybe the five in the NBA with the Pelicans. Even he probably could play three, but Zion is another one of those guys that is sort of like that prototype for positionless basketball, much like Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's like he's just a basketball player. Just put him out there and put him in a position where he can pretty much just be at his and pretty much just. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I lost my train of thought there. Put him in a position where his strengths can be put on display is what I was trying to say there. But, all right, let's get down to the fourth quarter. Zion Williamson in the fourth. 17 straight points for the Pelicans. Um, they started him at the five in that fourth quarter, which is something that I'm going to talk about a little bit later after I go go over and review what he did in that fourth. But 17 straight points for New Orleans. They were down 99-91. He hit a top of the key three, and San Antonio was pretty much just pretty much was just playing uh, prove-it-to-me basketball. Like, all right, it's your first game. Let's see if you can shoot. And Zion proved he could shoot four three-pointers for him. He had two wide-open looks at the top of the key where the Spurs were in prove-it-to-me mode. He had one, which was like a right-angle three. Jacoperta was trying to close out on him. He still splashed it. And then he had another one, the most notable to me. He hit LaMarcus Aldridge with a bit of a jab step. And then he just decided to spot up, and he buried the three, four threes from him there. He did have a couple of layups, one on um, Yaka Perta where he, he was trying to post him up. He went to the basket. He got blocked. He recovered the block, and then he laid it up on the other side of the rim. But then he, he had one of those plays that the fans bought the tickets for. He had an alley-oop from Lonzo Ball. It was not quite an alley-oop. He couldn't quite dunk it, but he, he was guarded by DeMar DeRozan. He spun off of DeRozan. To go back door to the rim, he, say say he was at the uh, left elbow. He spun off the Rosen to try to get the inside position. Lonzo tried to hit him with the alley oop. The ball was just a little bit out where Lonzo, where uh, Zion couldn't quite dunk it. So Zion just caught it and laid it up off the glass. Like he caught it mid air and laid it off the glass. But you see it, you see what the fans came there for. They wanted to see Zion throw down a monster dunk. Couldn't quite get that just yet. But there's definitely reason to smile if you're the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, I was one of those people. That said, I thought they should have possibly just set him out for the rest of the uh, season. Make sure he got his weight right. Make sure they were watching his um, 
watching his knees, making sure he wasn't putting wear and tear on his knees. But you definitely see why they want to get this kid on the court. I mean, he's got he's got the talent, man. He's got the talent to be one of the best players in the history of the league. It's just a matter of will his health get in his way. It's just a matter of if he's in the right system. It's just a matter of if he's got the right coaches. And I think Alvin Gentry is a good coach. He has a chance to really do something special with Zion in New Orleans. I was a little disappointed that Zion didn't get to play in the uh, the final in the final minutes of the ball game. There was points. He, I mean, he had 17 straight points, and there was points where Alvin Gentry was, was trying to take him out the game. But every time he was sending a player to the ta- scores table, Zion was scoring. He would just call that player back. I think it was Nicolo Melli one time, and then it was might have been Derek Favors another time. He was just trying to get him out of there. But every time he did it, Zion, he would pull Zion. Zion would score, and he was like, you know what? Just come back. Let's let's just let him spin out there. And Zion really put on a show, 22 points in his NBA regular season debut. Uh, a big a big part of that game, you got to you gotta give credit to, Zion, to Alonzo Ball, man. 14 points, 12 assists, and 8 rebounds for Alonzo Ball. And I said this in the preseason, Zion and Alonzo look like they've been teammates for about five years. I mean, once Zion got going, Alonzo was just feeding him the ball. <laughs> he was just giving it to him like, here, man. Here, man, the people came to see you, man. They want to they see you put on the show. So he was giving the ball to Zion once again, putting his strengths on display, letting him accentuate his positive, so to speak. And that's what Zion did. He was able to shoot the ball well. You got to give credit to Lonzo Ball for giving him, the, giving, him the, giving him the ball and allowing him to try to put on the show so much to the point that uh, Zion got MVP chance when he got fouled going to the free and went to the free throw line. He split a couple of free throws to finish off his 17 points, fourth quarter, shot six of eight from the floor in the fourth quarter. Got those MVP chants, and that's what, once again, that's what the, the people in, in the Smoothie King Center came to see. They wanted to see Zion in his first game, and he gave him, he definitely gave him a show. Uh, moving forward for New Orleans, I was talking about how I think Alvin Gentry has a chance to do something special with uh, Zion in New Orleans. And I really, what, what I think that is, is just the rotations, because when you look at the team for New Orleans, it really gives them another dynamic. It allows them to play that small ball that the Warriors played for years with the ability to possibly play Zion at the five, and then you could have the former Lakers, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and Brandon Ingram at one. Hart likely would be three, Ingram at the four, and then you have Drew Holiday play the one or two, depending on where you want him or Lonzo. Only thing about that unit is maybe the, sh- the shooting may be a little suspect with, with, with uh, Lonzo and with Lonzo, but you still have Drew Holiday who can score and get into the rim. Lonzo can get to the rim. Brandon Ingram is an improved three-point shooter. Josh Hart still working at it. But I think it gives them another dynamic to really just go out there and when Zion is at full strength, they can try to really outrun some teams and try to just get up and down the court, use that young style of basketball, use those young legs, and make a more fast-breaking, wide-open style of basketball in the Smoothie King Center and on the road. Uh, another thing that'll be remain to be seen with Zion, uh, where will they play? Where what will they do with him at the four? Because if you play him at the four, you could play him with Jackson Hayes and Derek Favors. And honestly, I mean, I like Derek Favors, but I really would love to see Zion and Jackson Hayes out there with a lineup of Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and interchange either Josh Hart or Drew Holiday. I just feel like that lineup could be Lob City South <laughs> in New Orleans, man. You got Jackson Hayes, who, as we saw in Summer League when he dunked on Michael Motor, like he can he can get up. And we all know Zion with his athleticism, he can get up. Once again, that that would be something that will remain to be seen. And also 
it could be something that the Pelicans would be cautious about considering how Zion has missed most of this season because of knee injuries where they may not want him so much in those fast-breaking lineups trying to trying to go up there and put more wear and tear on his knees. But I just really think they have a chance to do something special in New Orleans with that lineup. Just You, you can really open up the floor and create a new fast-breaking, fun style of basketball uh, with that New Orleans Pelicans team. Uh, the Pelicans, once again, end up losing the game 121-117. As a result, they are 12th in the West. They fought a 17 and 28 Spurs with their win ended up getting into the eighth spot. Now they're 20 and 23. Memphis lost their ball game last night, so that allowed uh, San Antonio to regain the eighth seed. Memphis lost by by um, 24 to the Boston Celtics in their game. Uh, Jason Tatum led the way with 23 points. Meanwhile, from Memphis, uh, John Moran only two points on one of five shooting. But the the story of the night. Zion Williamson's NBA debut, I still think it may be a little too late for him to get um, the rookie of the year. I think John Morant at this point is going to be a runaway winner. The only way I can see Zion getting it is if New Orleans makes a fantastic run and they sneak into maybe one of those top four spots and Zion is averaging something like 20, maybe like 25 points and and 10 rebounds or maybe six assists. You know, he's going to really have to – Really going to have to move the needle in terms of numbers. I mean, as of right now, he is averaging 22. <laughs> he's averaging 22 points and seven rebounds and uh, three assists through one NBA game. So if he, if he can maintain that pace the rest of the season, and then he's likely going to have to play somewhere. He's likely going to have to play almost every game, which I don't think will happen. I don't think New Orleans is going to run him out there every single night, especially at uh, this point of the season. I mean, New Orleans has already played 45 games. So I, I don't I don't think we're going to see Zion out there for the remaining 30, every game for the remaining 37 of the season. So I, at this point, I just think John Morant is pretty much going to be the NBA rookie of the year. I mean, don't, don't count out Eric Paschal and Kendrick Nunn because those are the two guys I have second and third. But in terms of Zion, I think he's, he's going to miss out on rookie of the year due to the injuries, and it's going to go to John Morant. But an impressive – First game from Zion Williamson. It was very fun. Just wish we could have seen them down the stretch. But definitely going to be looking at more New Orleans. I mean, going to be watching the Pelicans a lot. I mean, I've been watching a lot of Pelicans games as it is. But going to be watching them closer and, you know, make sure they they might be one of the first team's highlights. I check every night now just to see what they're doing with uh, Zion Williamson. Uh, that'll wrap up this edition of the Windy City Hoops podcast, this post-game report. Of the Windy, on the Windy City Hoops podcast. The Bulls win 117-110 over the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Pelicans lose to the Spurs 121-117, but uh, Zion Williamson puts on a show in his first NBA regular season game with 22 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at KingRouse21, K-I-N-G-R-O-U-S-E-20. I feel like I always mess up my name, K-I-N-G-R-O-U-S-E-21. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. You can catch the show wherever podcasts are heard on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many other platforms. And also, I'll be back next week, with likely Monday, with the uh, Windy City Hoops podcast post-game report for the uh, Chicago Bulls-San Antonio Spurs game. I won't cover the two games going on tomorrow and Saturday, the Bulls against the Kings. And I won't cover the game against Bulls-Cavs individually. I'll probably 
pull things from those games and talk about them during the uh, full episode of the podcast, which will air, which I'll uh, post next week. And then also next Friday, we'll have the um, the All Star report. We talk where I'm going to talk about the starters because the starters will be announced tonight. But the starters, reserves, and players that I feel may have been snubbed when they're all announced in full next week. But until then, this has been another edition of the Windy City Hoops podcast. This is another post-game report on the Windy City Hoops podcast. You guys all have a good one. And rejoin us on Monday with the Bull Spurs post-game report.